Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. How you doing, guys? Everybody good? All of our campuses? Hopefully you're doing well today. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm uh, the lead pastor. Honored to be the lead pastor of this church if you're brand new with us. Um, let me welcome everybody. Welcome to 88 Campus, everybody at the Friendswood Campus, the Webster Campus, the Alvin Campus, the online campus as well. Glad that you're joining us for the services today. Um, real quick, as you know, this uh, past week, and it's hard to miss, but the Supreme Court uh, made a decision on the subject of abortion. They made that decision official as governance has been handed back to the states. And our church, if you don't know, if you've not been around our church, our church is unapologetically pro-life. We believe that... We believe that life is sacred from conception until its natural end. We believe that that uh, life that is in the womb of a woman is a baby, a human baby, uh, that has great value created by God. And um, so that's why we as a church support our local crisis pregnancy center and will continue to do so. We give right at $50,000 a year to help them in their mission. They present the gospel to everyone, to everyone who comes in. They also supply them with whatever they need uh, to, to make it through the pregnancy and help them uh, to get to where they need to get and so forth. And so we believe in their mission as a church. We're going to continue uh, to support them. And I think that their, their ministry is even more important now as, as uh, this, this uh, law has passed and, and this uh, the Supreme Court decision has been made. I did read early this morning that uh, 92% of women who have an unplanned pregnancy, 92% who have an unplanned, maybe unwanted pregnancy, who carry it all the way and then give birth to that baby, 92% end up keeping that baby and raising that baby, 92%. And another 8% there goes off for adoption, and uh, which I don't know if you know this, but there are upwards of 2 million would-be parents every year waiting to adopt a baby. So we're at that kind of tipping point. Let's just pray that our nation gets on a better path, the better path of life and not death. Amen to that? All right. <clears throat> So changing subjects, we have somebody that I'm excited to share with you today. His name is Tim Moore. He's a pastor from Ohio. Uh, he and I met six or seven years ago, though the, uh, the uh, original meeting we have some disagreements about. I'm saying it was in Phoenix, um, but he says it's somewhere else, and I don't know that he knows what he's talking about, but... Just think of it this way. His name's Tim. My name's Tim. I'm first Timothy. You trust me more. Second Timothy, right? Trust your pastor. So anyway, we met six or seven years ago, hit it off at this conference, began talking on the phone, have talked, I don't know, hours and hours since then. And it's been a joy and to get to know him. And he's been here to visit us one time before, not to preach, but just to visit and see how we do things and try to come back during the pandemic. But obviously that did not work out. But, but now he's here today to speak to our church family. He recently wrote a book uh, called Scary Faith 
which is the topic that he'll be talking about today. This uh, book launched big time, uh, hit the top of the bestseller list in several different categories and this book is for sale in the lobby of your campus, and I would advise you to get one. And uh, when you get it, be, make sure that you read the foreword, because I wrote the foreword for the book. And I want you to... <clears throat> and if you bring your book to me sometime, I will sign the foreword. And... Uh... <clears throat> But anyway, great book. He's a great guy. His church is doing amazing things. I'm not going to take up any more of his time. Would you please put your hands together and welcome Pastor Tim Moore from Ohio. Here, and um, I, I am so grateful for this opportunity to be here. And can I just, before I go any further, can I just pause and tell you how grateful I am for your pastor um, I think sometimes it can be easy to get so comfortable in your church that you forget how, how um, blessed you are. And can I just tell you here at New Hope and all of the locations that you guys are so blessed to have an incredible pastor. Uh, pastor Tim has been a mentor of mine. Yeah, we can give it up for him. And so I just, I just I want to honor him in, in this place because he has been faithful. He has been steadfast. He has been here for decades, which also, by the way, and I just really want to respect and honor my elders. Um, and, and so some of the details of when we first met are a little shady, but just, just, just remember, I've never been to Phoenix in my life. So anyways, just, I just want to point that out. It was Dallas, but I, it's okay. It's, pray for your pastor. Would you just pray for him? Uh, well... It's an honor to be here, and I don't stand here alone. I wish my family could have been here today, um, but they just, due to schedule, couldn't come. And so I just brought a picture because I'd love to introduce my family. They're the better part of me. Uh, my wife, Laura Lee, she is an amazing, amazing person. She is a NICU nurse and uh, a wife of a pastor for many, many years. And, and we just got to celebrate. This was really cool. A month ago, we got to celebrate our 26th wedding anniversary. So for 26 years and... And so I just want to say, I love you, honey. And um, I know some of you are just shocked because you're like, he looks way too young to be married. For I know that's what you're thinking right now. And if you're wondering how old I am, I'll just let you do the math. We got married when I was 12. Um, my, my oldest daughter, uh, or my youngest daughter, the one in the middle, Audrey, she's a senior in high school, uh, feels called into ministry. So that's exciting. And, uh, and then my oldest daughter, Lauren, our firstborn, she uh, recently, a year ago, graduated from college. She's also a NICU nurse. So it's kind of like the oldest is following in the footsteps of her mom and the youngest is following in the footsteps of her dad. And then I'm also blessed to have a son-in-law, Hunter, as my oldest daughter is married. And he's on staff at our church back in Columbus, Ohio, ex-church uh, as a youth director. And so uh, I'm just really blessed to have an amazing family. And, uh, but I'm also excited to be here with your guys' family. Again, I'm from Ohio. And so, um, you know, this is like my second time in Houston. And, and I like to tell people this about Ohio. Like, if you ever get a chance to go to Ohio, you want to endear yourself to the people. If you want to make friends, if people are friendly. I don't know if they're as friendly as down here in Houston, Texas, but, you know, they're friendly. If you want to make friends in Ohio, it's real simple. We have this thing in Ohio. You can be in the grocery store. You can be at the bank. You can be at church. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is yell out, O-H. Oh, we got some people from Ohio here today. I feel at home. 
I don't, can I just tell you, I don't know why we get so excited to spell our, our state. If somebody yells the first two letters, we finish it, you know? And so I was like, I wonder if you guys have something like that. I was going to come up here and go, T-E-X. And I thought, okay, that's what I thought. I didn't, I, they don't do that. You guys aren't real impressed with being able to spell the name of your state, you know? I had someone tell me, I, I had someone just tell me because uh, it was in the last service. And they said, hey, if you want everybody to love you, just start saying something about stars shining in the night and, and people will start singing a song and then they'll stand and they'll do the state national anthem and pledge allegiance. I don't, I don't know it, I'm so, I apologize. Maybe next time if he invites me back, I'll memorize it, I'm sorry. Um, but it is an honor to be here. And I have just a real simple message. I, I, I wrote a book, but really it's the message of my journey of faith. And I, I really believe this. I, I may not have ever met you, but I, I really believe deep inside of my soul that God created you on purpose and for a purpose. Is there anybody here that believes that and receives that today? Amen. Like I, I just, call, call me uh, uh, crazy, but I actually believe that that all of us are created with something innate. There's something inside of us, let me say it this way, that longs to make a difference. That, that we long to have a purpose. We, we long to, to create something in this world that will be left behind, that will make a difference. And what I have discovered is so often in life that, that life itself gets really busy. And we start off with dreams, but then, you know, you, you got to pay the bills. And, and then you kind of land in this one job, and then you just spend the next 25 or 30 years there. And then you're just hoping you can retire if the market holds out. And, and a lot of times, the sum total of our life can be reduced to something that is comfortable, something that is safe, something that's routine. And, and then we wake up one day and we go, man, what am I doing? Is this making a difference? Is my job making a difference? Is my life making a difference? And, and I actually think that there's something inside of us, even from the time we're little. When I was a kid, can I just tell you, I had the most vivid imagination. I don't know if any of you were like me, but, but I could create for hours with just stuff. Like I play outside, you know, back in the day when you, kids used to play outside, I played outside and we would just some sticks and some dirt and some trees and I could create worlds, make believe worlds. I did. Was there anybody here, raise your hand, anybody that was like me, that was like that? Anybody here that had make believe friends? Come on, just raise, okay, I would not have put my hands up for that. I was just kidding. Okay. I, you still have a seat for him right next to you at church? Okay. But I, I, and when we're kids, we dream about all these really important professions. You ask a kid, what do you want to be? And a lot of times they'll say, I want to be a police officer to serve and protect, or I want to be a firefighter. I want to rescue cats from burning houses and maybe people. And, you know, and, and, and we have all these dreams of, I want to make a purpose. You know, I want to have a purpose. I want to do something that makes a difference. Now, those are great, but can I just be honest with you? None of those were my dream. When I was a kid, the only thing I wanted to be was a ninja. Yeah, a ninja. Like Bruce Lee was my hero. And I would, I would climb up in a tree and I would picture bad guys, you know, and I would jump out of the tree. Yeah, and I would like, yeah, and I would, and I would kill the bad guys and I would save the damsel in distress because, because there's something inside of us all that longs to make a difference. You know, I... I've never met a little kid and you ask him, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? I've never met a kid that says, you know, when I grow up, I want to, I want to work with numbers. That would be, that'd be amazing. 
man, I just, I want to be a CPA. I just admire. Now, there's nothing wrong if you're a CPA. I think that's great. You know, that's great. You, you know, you're the wise one. You got that all figured out. There's, you know, I, I've never met anyone that was like, oh, I want to, I want to, I want to work my way up to middle management. I would love to have a, just a corner office with a window one day in downtown Houston. Now, that's great. There's nothing wrong with all that stuff. Love all that stuff. But, but we don't dream about that. We just end up in that. And, and I would ask this question. Let's go back to that childlike dreaming and imagining and wanting to create. Can I ask this question? Where does that come from? Because I, I think we're the only species on the planet that does that. At least I think. We're the only ones that dream and imagine. I would like to just argue that maybe it's because that when God created mankind, and I know many of you know the narrative, right? When God created mankind, he said, let us make man in our what? Say it out loud, in our image. That there's something unique about every human that God stamped something on us that reflects him. Well, what is he? He's a creator. You ever thought about the idea that when God finished creating mankind, he took a break. He rested. Why? He was tired. You know, oh, God must have been so exhausted. I've been creating six days straight. I need a day off, right? I don't know that God was tired. Because if he was tired and he took a day off, why didn't he keep creating on day eight? See, I, I would argue it's because God stopped creating because maybe he created you to be a creator. Maybe your imagination, maybe the vision for a future of a world that doesn't exist, but maybe one that God's waiting for you and me to create. See, I really believe that God has wired inside of us all a longing to create a future for, that is not just better for you, but better for others. A future that actually is building something for God's kingdom. And I don't know where along the way, but I think, I think we lose a little bit of that, life takes over. And I just wonder if maybe that's why when Jesus came, he said, I came to give life and life to the full. See, I don't think that's just about eternity one day going to heaven. I think that's about now. That there's a life, there's something that he invites us into. And, and today, if, if, if I could, I just, I wanna share with you a story of, of a guy who had an encounter with Jesus that received an invitation. And I just believe this invitation exists for you and me as well. In fact, I wrote the book, Scary Faith, around one particular character who, he was a, just a well-known brash fisherman from the Galilean region 2,000 years ago. His name is Peter. He was given his name Simon when he was born, but then Jesus kind of was like, man, you look more like a Peter. And so he renamed him Peter. And if you got your Bible with you, I'm gonna be in Luke chapter five. This is the moment where Jesus meets Peter that we know of for the first time. Luke chapter five, verse one, it says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Now let's pause for a moment. I think sometimes, can we be honest, we hear a story so many times that we actually lose the essence of the humanity of the moment. Think about Peter. Peter just got done fishing all night. Most of the fishermen work third shift. You know why? That's when the fish bite. 
That's when you collect the fish. They come to the surface because it's cooler. And so I imagine Peter might have been all night working. He's the third shift. In fact, is anybody here ever worked third shift? Raise your hand if you ever worked third shift. So my wife, NICU nurse, her entire career has worked third shift. And, and my wife, I should call me on her drive home just so she'll be distracted and make it home without wrecking because she's so tired and all she wants to do is go to bed, right? So I'm picturing Peter just got in off of the Sea of Galilee, exhausted, worn out, tired. He docks his boat. He's cleaning the nets for the next day when he goes out. He's tired, he's grumpy, he's hangry, wants to go home. When all of a sudden this rabbi with all these people around him, which was probably already annoying, comes and jumps into his boat of all people. Can you imagine Peter like, oh, are you kidding me? And then he stops his sermon. He looks at Peter and says, hey, Peter, you mind if I borrow your boat? And I picture Peter going, um, you're already in it. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, can you push me out into the water? And, and so Peter, I imagine begrudgingly, he pushes the boat out away from the edge. Now, this was a common practice back then that teachers would, would come out and they would use the, the surface of the water and when they would speak, their, their, the, the waves from their sound would reflect off the water, it would amplify, it would be a microphone. And so I imagine Peter's waiting and I don't know if he's in the boat or he's on the shore, he's, he's waiting for, for Jesus to get done. He's like, how long is this sermon? You, you ever feel like that? Yeah, I bet. And, uh, <laughs> And so the sermon's wrapping up and now he's like, oh, he's finally praying. And when he gets done, he says, amen. And all the people, amen. And so Peter's like, finally, I can go home. And that's when Jesus looks at Peter and says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now, if I'm Peter, okay, I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Like, I was just out there all night, there are no fish. Trust me, there's no fish out there. And you're a teacher. You teach. I fish. Let me fish, right? And, and I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And now you want to take a fishing excursion, a deep sea fishing excursion into the sea. You want, to, you want me to take you all? I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I imagine to Peter in this moment, it made no sense. Do you know what I've discovered in my journey with God? Oftentimes when God speaks to us, it makes no sense. Has anybody ever noticed that? Well, a lot of times when God will speak to you and he'll ask you to do something, it'll be like, no, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. We don't have enough people. We don't know what's going to happen. It doesn't make sense. But can I give you a thought just maybe if you're here and maybe you're at Friendswood or Alvin or Webster or you're watching this online and Maybe you're not even sure what you believe and you're just like, I'm, I'm exploring faith and who Jesus. Can I, can I give you a little, a little hint up front? Because I don't want to sell you something. It's this thought that following Jesus won't always make sense. You need to know that just up front. Following Jesus won't always make sense. Why? Because Jesus said some things, let's be honest, that in the natural don't make sense. Like he said, if somebody hurts you, if somebody offends you, somebody does something, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to what? Forgive them. You're supposed to forgive them. But, but you don't understand because they didn't apologize and they didn't say they were sorry and they act like they didn't, that nothing even happened. I know, I know it doesn't matter. I want you to forgive them anyways. Come on, man. Some of you have been hurt deeply by others and they don't even care. I'm supposed to forgive that person? That's not fair. Or, or Jesus, one time he said it this way. If he gets a little more aggressive, he said, someone strikes you on the cheek, what are you supposed to do? 
give him the other one. Can I just be real honest with you? I might turn a little bit, but you're gonna have to work really hard to get that second one in. Hello? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? Like, eh, ain't gonna make it easy, you know? Come on, this doesn't make sense. Or, or matter of fact, he even said that if you've got somebody who would position themselves as your enemy, they gossip about you, they betray you, they talk about you, they post about you. You know what Jesus said? He said, you're supposed to bless them and pray for them. Do you know how hard that is? Sometimes, sometimes I pray for my enemies, like, dear Lord, get them. I just pray that you just like, like don't, like, I don't want to really bad, but just, you know, if you could just make their life a little bit. Or like the invitation to give the first fruits of your increase to God through the place of worship, the tithe. This doesn't make sense. You don't understand. I got all these bills. It doesn't make sense. I, I'll never forget a moment when my parents sat uh, me and my brother and my sister down one, one day. And they did something strange. We never did this with our kids, but they, they wanted to show us their finances. And my dad was a pastor of a small church and didn't make a lot of money. And we didn't have a ton of money growing up, but, but we were fine, you know. And they said, well, we want you to see how we run our finances. And they said, here's how much we make. And then we want you to know that we give a tithe of what we make, the gross of what we make to God first and foremost. That's the first thing we do. And then we support this missionary and this missionary. We do all that. And then these are our bills. And can I just tell you, when they showed it to us, they said how much we make and what we have left over after we tithe does not cover the bills. Now, I know what you're thinking. We just did cost of living, a series, and all about that. And you're not supposed to use a credit card. When they're, yeah, my parents didn't. They were never in debt. And they said, we want to show you this because we don't know how it works. But every single month, we have enough. And God provides, and he still does miracles. And we believe that. Amen. Come on, we believe that. You believe? And... And they were teaching us, it doesn't always make sense to follow Jesus. It doesn't. And I love Peter's response. Can I show you his response in verse 5? Master, Simon replied, we worked hard. i got to make sure you know this. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. And then he said this phrase. I'm on all the locations. Would you just say it out loud with me? Say it. But if you say so. Nope, not that one. Go back. Not that one. Nope. 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 Okay. Maybe I touched it. You're not supposed to touch this thing. But if you say, okay, we're going to try that again. Okay. And I need everybody, Alvin, to help out because you were a little quiet. All right. Say it with me if you would out loud. But if you, he said, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Now that first statement, master, we worked hard all night last night. See the way I read that, that's, I've got some sass in me. i I would probably be like, look, I'm just going to let you know this now so I don't have to say I told you so when we don't catch anything. But then that phrase, but if you say so, can I just tell you, if you need a picture of faith, that's it. This doesn't make sense, but if you say so. We don't have enough money, but if you say. We don't have enough resource, but if you say so. Because I want you to get this thought in your mind about faith. Because a lot of times in, in the church world, we've reduced faith to a belief system. Can I just tell you faith is more than just a belief system? Okay, that might be the starting point. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, said even the demons believe in God. So that's great, okay? But, but can I give it to you this thought? And that is this. That, go ahead. Faith isn't believing you will catch something. It's trusting Jesus enough to go fishing. Faith, I don't know. This makes no sense. But if you say so. 
I'm praying for this and it doesn't make sense and what the doctors say. But, but if you say so, I'm just gonna pray and ask and believe. If you ask me to go do this and like, look, the numbers don't line up, it doesn't make sense. But if you say so, then I'll move. This is what faith is. And the problem is, is that many of us, we, we have connected faith to a result. See, can I tell you this? Faith isn't about what you believe as much as it's about who you obey. I'll say it again. Faith isn't as much about what you believe, but rather who you obey. And we've connected it to a result, but I want to also give you this thought, and that is that faith isn't tethered to a result. It's connected to our what? Say it out loud. It's, faith isn't connected to the result with God. If you want to please God, faith is connected to your obedience in the moment. See, I've been learning this journey for the last several years. And back in 2016, when I did meet your pastor in Texas, uh, Uh, when I did meet him, um, we were actually in the process as a church of needing a larger facility. God had blessed our church, and we had two locations, and, um, and we needed help, funding help. I mean, we, we, our growth was outpacing our ability to pay for a big building. And, and so um, I, I went and I got connected to an organization that he was a part of at the time that lends uh, to churches like ours. And um, that's how we met and and. God just began to move in our church. In 2016, we did a capital campaign and our church just stepped up and they gave. And, and then that same year, we got approved for this uh, funding for this building project that, if I could just tell you, scared me to death because it was more than we could afford. We needed to grow if we were gonna survive in it. Um, I was grateful to have a, an organization say, we believe in you, but I was not really sure how we were gonna pay for it. And I often tell people, the line between faith and stupidity is really blurry. <laughs> it really is. It doesn't make sense until later. And, and so everything, though, just started to come together in 2016. We got funding, and, and, um, and, and then all of a sudden, like, we needed to sell our building, and we sold it, and the person who bought it was part of our church, and they said, you can stay in the building until your new one is I was like, okay, God is behind this. He is in it. And in December of 2016, the city gave us permission to begin moving dirt. As we're getting all of our plans, they said, you can get started. We, we're going to approve this. And, and so we started with equipment out there moving dirt in December of 2016. And I mean, I was on cloud nine. It's like, this is really going to happen. We're trusting God for the finances, but we're taking a step. Two weeks later, city staff called me up. Hey, um, I need you to stop what you're doing on the property. They said, we got a problem. We've got some engineering challenges. And what I can just tell you, long story short, is the entire project came to a screeching halt. And for the next 18 months, in the next year and a half, we would spend tens and tens of thousands of dollars. We, we would try to overcome, I, I learned more than I ever wanted to know about hydraulics and floodplains, and it was the most frustrating season of my life. Can I just, can I just admit something? I, and I just wanna be real transparent, and I just need to ask for your forgiveness, but can I be honest? Over a span of about 18 months, I must have said a four-letter F word a hundred times. No, I did. I said FEMA so many times. Like, I, what did you think I said? Oh, my God. And uh, during all this pause, we had massive internal church drama. It's maybe the 
best way to say it. And I felt like spiritual attack and had to about let go half of our staff and hundreds of people left our church and the, the gap was getting bigger. And I'm like, God, where are you? What did I do? And it wasn't until the summer of 2018 that we finally resolved all of our issues with the city and the city said, hey, green light, you can move forward. Now you'd think you'd be excited after all that, but it was such a painful season. That, that I, but I, I mean, I was like, okay, maybe this is what we need to move us forward. And so I contacted the general contractor and I said, hey, green light, we can move forward. And he said, eh, not so fast. He said, I got to rebid the project. I'm like, what do you mean, rebid the project? He said, well, it's been a year and a half and construction prices keep soaring. We don't know anything about that, do we? And so he rebid the project. And without changing a single thing on the building project, he sent me an email with the updated quote, and it was $2.5 million more. Now, I tell you, it was already scary stupid. And now you add another $2.5 million on. I said, we're done. We're done. I'm going to have to go before the church. And I'm going to say, all of you that gave sacrificially above and beyond, I'm so sorry if you want your money back. Like, it's over. It's done. So I call the uh, president of the funding company. And I, I, I get on the phone with him. And I said, hey, listen, um, good news, bad news. Good news, we got a green light. Bad news, uh, the project has just priced us out $2.5 more. And so I was looking. I was going to blame it on him. He was going to say, well, I'm sorry, we can't fund you. And I was going to tell the people, and they wouldn't flog me. Unfortunately, he looked at me and all over the phone. He said, um, well, here's the thing. He said, if you don't build now, you never will. We'll give you the extra money. I said, that's great, but how are we going to pay for that? And so I got off the phone with him, and he didn't bail me out. So I called all my elders, board of directors. I said, guys, I said, they've given us a green light, but listen, two and a half million. I mean, you know, it was already crazy. People are going to think, you're dumb. This is not, not smart. And I was like, now it's two and a half million more. And you know what they all said? They said, we need to build it. Guys, you're not helping me out. So you know what I did? I called your pastor. <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm not making this up. Man. I called your pastor. I said, because he'll know. He knows, right, what it's like to be in this thing. I said, I don't know what to do. Two and a half million more. We don't have it. I don't know this. And I'll never forget what he said to me that day. He said, Tim, what did you feel God tell you to do before the cost went up? I said, build it. And he said, what changed? I said, $2.5 million. <laughs> and then he said, how big is your God? And I said, I hate you. Hung up the phone on him. I just... <laughs> so guess what? I tried to exhaust every other option and couldn't find it. I go through in the book a process of how do you know God's God's voice and God's leading, it's, it's difficult. It's really difficult. We took a step of faith and we green-lighted the project. And then it had more delays. And then it had more delays. And then finally it started. And after it started and it was about to be built, guess what happened? COVID. And we got to open a brand new facility in the middle of a pandemic when we couldn't announce it to our neighbors. See, I've been on this journey and I'm still in it. And we think that our faith is connected to the result. But I keep hearing God tell me, no, Tim, your faith is connected to your obedience to what I ask you to do. And can I just tell you, if you're going to follow Jesus, there's times when he's going to jump into your boat. And he's going to put an impression inside of you for what he's calling you and created you to do. I want you to lead a life group. I can't lead a life group. I don't, I don't know enough. And I want you to get baptized. I, I don't want, like being wet in front of people. That's weird. And I, I know, but see, what are you going to do when Jesus asks you to do the one small thing in front of you you don't want to do?
Peter, let's go fishing. So Peter is like, if you say so, we'll go. And this is what, this is what happens. Look at it says, at this time, their nets, this time, when Jesus was in the boat, this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. And it says that a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Can you imagine this? When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees. I picture this. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee in a little wooden boat. He falls to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. And I'm thinking to myself, where is he going to go? Like he's just going to walk away on the water. Yeah, right. He said, I'm such a sinful man. And for he was all struck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. And it says that his partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And I love this last verse. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they did what? Say it out loud. They And they followed Jesus. Do you know the reason why we're even talking about some blue-collar fisherman who lived 2,000 years ago in another part of the world? Is because he answered the call to step out in faith, to be obedient. See, some of us are trying to figure out, okay, how do I step into that purpose? And it seems so far ahead and so impossible, and I'm here to tell you it's actually not. It's you do the one thing that he asks you to do in front of you. Doesn't matter how small it is. Can I borrow your boat? You can, I don't, I don't wanna do this, but you can. Can we go fishing? I don't want to, but I can. See, he's gonna ask you to do things that you don't think maybe you even can or something you don't wanna do, but if you will say yes, he'll give you another one and he'll give you another one, and he'll give you another one. And next thing you know, you're gonna be creating a story, a future that is gonna be more than just about your life, but it is gonna be about someone else's future, someone else's eternity. And, and this is the invitation that he gives us all. The invitation to follow Jesus, listen to me, is not about a belief in him. If so, he would have said, just believe in me. But his invitation was, come follow me. And for Peter to follow Jesus, he had to leave everything. They got to the shore and they walk away from their biggest catch ever. They walk away from a business that's just now taking off. Who does that? What would cause someone to walk away from all of that? Faith. And listen to me, real faith is scary. Real faith is learning how to take a step with your fear. If you're waiting for your fear to subside and your faith to overtake, listen to me, I'm living in it right now. Can I just tell you something? Every single month, we take out of our reserves. But can I also tell you something? As we took this massive step of faith and we couldn't really announce it in the middle of a pandemic, we had less people in our church than before we built it. Can I just tell you that we have seen God do the miraculous? I had to go back and seven months after I finished because I felt like God said, write this in the middle of your story when you're still scared and you don't know what's gonna happen because faith is not about the result, it's about being obedient. 
I had to go back and write an epilogue to tell of the miracles of God providing for our church and we're still there and we're still going because of God's faithfulness. Come on, is there anybody here with me that believes God still does miracles when you get out of the boat, when you take a step of faith and listen to me, listen to me. Every location online, listen to me. God wants you to create a new future. He wants you to step into a better story than the rest of the world has. I lived, I had a good job, I made a good earning, I retired comfortably. Fine, that's great. But I want my life to matter for more. I want my legacy to be more than that. It's not about my name, it's about his name. It's not about my kingdom, it's about his kingdom. And I know every one of us, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be called Mr. You are called if you follow Jesus. That's the invitation to follow me. And in order for Peter to follow Jesus, listen, he had to leave his nets. And so here's your challenge. This has been my challenge. I believe the Spirit of God is saying to some of you today, what is your safety net that you need to walk away from today to be obedient to what he's asking you to do? Is it control? I'm just trying to control everything. I'm trying to control my finances. I'm trying to control everything versus surrendering them to God. What is it? Is it I, I would serve. I would lead a group. I would start giving. I would go on a mission trip. I would do this, but I don't, I don't feel like we have enough. I don't know this. Is it fear? See, if you want to experience the miraculous, you want to step into a better story, listen to me, you're going to have to get out of the boat. And it's going to be scary. But I'm telling you, as someone who's in the middle of it, it's worth it. The stories of the hundreds and hundreds of people since we opened the new building that have met Jesus, that we've been able to baptize, I'm just telling you, it's worth it. It's scary, but it's worth it. Would you just bow your heads for a moment? I just, I'd love to pray for you. And I don't know how maybe the spirit of God is speaking to your heart right now, but on the locations, I just believe in this moment that God is speaking to you about your next step. And so, God, I pray right now. I pray for the step that is in front of us, the thing that, God, you're going to ask us to be obedient to do. And I pray that you give us the courage. You give us, God, the, the bravery to just be obedient to the one step in front of us. And I pray right now, God, that you are giving dreams and vision of a new future. I pray, God, right now that you're beginning to birth something again in the heart of many to step into the future that you have for us to create a story that's worth telling. God, we thank you for your work in our hearts today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, hey, thank you, New Hope. It's been a blessing. God bless you. All righty, would you stand with me, please? Now, before I let you go, if if the Lord is pressing you right now, like if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that's something we want to help you with today. There will be prayer partners at the front of the room. And, and for those who've never been in church, never taken a step of faith, that can be a scary thing, but it's the most important thing you ever do in your life. And so if you've never accepted him, 
except what he did for you on the cross of Calvary, taking your place, dying for your sins. Come down, please, when we're done here, see the prayer partners. Or if you need prayer for anything, come on down. Tim is going to be in the lobby. Uh, we have his books available. He'll sign a book, take a picture with you or whatever. I just wish he had a little bit more energy. I don't know what we're going to do about that, but if he would get a little bit more energy, maybe he'd do better. But anyway, love the guy. Glad that I got to share him with you today. Uh, enjoy your week. God bless. We'll see you next time. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe, share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.